This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. Check out and support us on Patreon for tons of content, including a bonus episode for each episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share all sorts of nerdy stuff. You can also find us on Instagram, at Nerd Podcast Radio, and on Twitter, at Nerdcast Radio. Don't forget to review us on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you use. Reviews are important as they help our podcast grow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host today, Brian, who is also super and not exactly vegan anymore. Anyway, um, I am alone as far as the host zone goes this morning. Um, if there were disasters this morning, I was fully prepared to do my first solo, but I do not have to because I have been graced with a champion, a champion from above that has been, that has been given to me. One of the Knights of the Cross himself. He has been on the episode. He has been on our episode before. He's been on our Dresden Files episodes. Our very special guest, Mike Cockroft, who we call Michael Carpenter. If you're a Dresden <laughs> Files fan, you get the reference. Hey, Mike, welcome. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's so awesome. good to have you here. Um, for listeners who don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Michael Cockroft. I'm. Uh out here in the Ohio area. Um, so I know people like Erica, Kirstie Smurf, Erica. I, I know Brent Bowser um, in person. I know um, we all have uh, connections through like Erica and I went to the same school and Brent and I used to work in the same place and we've all played PFS, Pathfinder Society, um, things like that. So, um, and Victoria, you had Victoria on uh, Queen Bee on, yeah, uh, you, a few weeks that- ago. She's so great. I, I remember you had you had upped your patronage after we did that. I was I was like I was like that's so cool that we were able to find a connection. Um, oh, she was awesome. I, I can't wait to have her back. Oh, she is fantastic. She's just just a ball of energy and excitement, and and somehow she brings energy and excitement to mass murderers. I don't even know. <laughs> she, I don't know how she does it, but she does it. So. But she's actually, she's a very awesome person. And if you ever get the chance, if you're ever out here in Ohio and her and her band, Todd the Fox, are playing, we must go see them. Because I haven't seen them in years since before the pandemic. So we absolutely must go see them. I will definitely be out there. I mean, my trip to Ohio was scheduled for um, for April of 2020. <laughs> Only two um, years ago. You can be obvious. It, it can be obvious as to why that was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now the, the Ohio plan is sort of like there's, it's Amelia is coming here first and mm-hmm. that, and then maybe we'll figure out something from there. Cause I, you know, I haven't met Rowan yet. So I, it, I mean, oh, she's wow. like 
almost five now, I think. I so yeah. Um I, I haven't met Rowan either. I haven't seen uh Erica and, and her family in ages. I think the yeah, last time I, I see them, I just ran into them at the Renaissance Festival. So I but, think your last like connection was on our Dresden Files episode yeah. that we did. The um but that's the joy of the podcast. I mean um, Mikey and Anthony together. and I founded this thing because everybody moved and, mm -hmm. you know, now we have it. Um, we're my, we actually have a topic this morning. Um, mm -hmm. we're probably going to talk about all sorts of tangents, including the Dresden files and Pathfinder. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a given when we're, when we're together. And since there's no other host here, I'm sure it's going to tangent like crazy, but our main topic is self nerd improvement. Now, this goes along with the theme this year that I just picked fun names for the episodes and let the topics come from there. We both kind of figured this was a self-improvement episode, but how is that nerdy? Who knows? But first, <laughs> but first we're going to play everyone's favorite game. What's nerdy with you? Where the two of us, and now this is the duo version of the game. We mm -hmm. share the nerdiest things we've done the last few weeks. We go back and forth, just sharing nerdy things. We don't vote because, you know. I vote for Mike. Mike votes for me. <laughs> I vote for myself. Anyway, <laughs> you have three widgets. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but this is this is an opportunity for us to, you know, just chat about the nerdy stuff we've done in the past couple weeks. Um, but since you are the guest, you get to go first. What's nerdy okay. with you, Mike? Well, um, my most nerdy thing is I've, uh, since before the pandemic, I have not been in an in-person group. Um, and I kind of miss those days and I also miss GMing. Um, I don't really GM, DM, whatever much. I play mostly on uh, discord, um, and play by discord. It's more play by play by post, play by chat type thing rather than like, you know, jumping on a zoom like we're doing or, or virtual tabletop or anything. So, and I don't really feel comfortable. I've tried GMing on those and I don't really feel the flow very well. Um, you'd think it'd be easier, but it just doesn't work well for me. Um, so of course I'll be playing, I'll probably be jamming some Pathfinder Society stuff and in, in future local cons and stuff. But, um, but I got a group started. Um, I said, I bought the Pathfinder second edition beginners box and I pinged my wife's cousin, um, who is a good friend of mine, one of my best friends and said, Hey, would you, and your wife and your eldest son like to play his, his youngest son's like five, but his oldest son's uh, 16. I think he just turned six. Um, I said, I want to play some Pathfinder. And he said, sure. And, and then he's, then well, I'm like, well, let's invite our other friend over here. And so we invited our other friend. And so I figured that's five players. You know, I've got uh, Tim, his wife and his oldest son, my wife, and then uh, our, our friend, Brian and Brian, said well my wife wants to play too okay that's six players and then eldest son says hey my girlfriend really wants to play in this can we do seven players for the beginner's box set this is going to be interesting so we've uh we've had two sessions so far and just barely gotten out out of uh making characters i've introduced him and gotten him to the uh first uh first event and uh so i'm pretty excited about that but we, we've got something on the books from uh, may and um and uh, really excited about having an in-person game. Other than that, um, you've already uh, you've already pointed out that uh, we, we both share a nerdy thing. We both got the uh, new Pathfinder book of the book of the dead. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that. You're on mute. 
for um for patrons that are watching this on video, I'll hold it up because I showed it oh, to beautiful. I showed it to Mike before we started. I so when I first got this, I was like, oh, it's like a it's kind of a generic cover. It's not what I expected. I kind of expected like a Dracolich on the cover or something. And I looked at him like, oh, it's like a dead king and stuff. And then I looked down and saw the elf head on a platter. Uh huh. And that really caught me off guard. Wow. I wonder. I wonder if that is one of the writers or developers, because it'd be kind of funny. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be funny. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I've listened to a few, like I told you before, I listened to a few uh, YouTube's discussions about it, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I didn't hear anything about that particular piece of art. It's, but it's I, I enjoy Reynolds. going through. It's yeah. a Wayne Reynolds artwork, but it, it definitely looks different than his usual style. Yeah, it, I it, love the, Wayne Reynolds. The angles, the angles are a little bit sharper than what I expect from Wayne. I, I, I like it. I didn't think it was him when I first saw it. Yeah. And the rear artwork is something I'd seen of his before. It's an uh, undead version of the witch. Yeah. Um, not Sioni. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Oh, I can't remember either. They're undead version of the Oracle, too. Yeah, they've got... Well, they've got um, a couple undead versions, because I know there was... Um, there were... A couple of pictures in there that I think had the undead versions of a couple other I might be misremembering, but you know, I honestly have to say I thumbed through it and I stopped at I stopped at the skeleton ancestry and just was like, that's cool. And <laughs> I I haven't really looked at much. I, I kinda looked at some of the monsters. I mm -hmm. like that it's sort of a half DM reference and half player reference and yes. it's it's definitely more crunch than flavor, but it's got plenty of flavor in it. Oh yeah. Well, here's the one thing that I'm going to point out to you. I pointed out to my wife, and she's like, oh, man, there's a new familiar in there. Have you seen the familiars? No. There's a new familiar called Old Friend. You can have the spirit of your past, uh, of your dead pet. Oh, no. <laughs> They've got a little little ghost Dotson on there. <laughs> it is so, it's, it's, it's in one way is cute, and another way kind of sad and morbid. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Love oh it. no oh. that gave me all sorts of feels yes gonna, i so don't good. know if you know it's patron content so i can show it i mean i don't think it's i think it's fine i'll just yeah i don't think there's any yes oh it's so it's oh yeah it's cute and morbid at the same time so oh, my wife wow. in that game we're playing is playing a witch so <laughs> no actually she was going to play a witch now she's playing a druid she switched to druid but still um yeah she 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 can pick up which later on. I'm just going to, with the, my group, I'm going to take them through the beginner's box. And anybody that wants to stick with it, we're going to go on to something else. And anybody that doesn't, um, you know, they can, they've gotten, they basically um, gotten their taste of Pathfinder 2nd Edition and they can move on. I would allow, I would <clears throat> allow a pixie to use the old friend instead of the corgi familiar and, and have it be an, a corgi mm. that died. Oh, that would be wild. A pixie riding a ghost dog. <laughs> uh, oh man the i um yeah um my, my nerd thing i so i i i watched um nonat ones do his video on the skeletons and it got me really excited about the skeleton ancestry <clears throat> i, I, need to watch I hit that. the forums a little bit mm -hmm. and there's i mean people are like oh they're turning pathfinder into wow and it's like mm. no they're giving another option you don't have to use it. I don't. I don't get it. 
why every option, the criticism always just sounds like, this pollutes the game. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It only pollutes the game if you use everything. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's not, and even then, it's it's expanding upon the game. You know, if your GM says anything goes, well, you as a player have to expect that anything's going to go. And if you're the GM, you know, and the party wants everything to go and you don't, you got to work that out with your party or yeah, find a different yeah. party. I mean, that's 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 I, how it is. That's how I role mean, playing is. If you really like it, it comes down to guns. If you hate guns, <laughs> don't run a game with them. Yep. <laughs> but it's good to have options for them because some people really like to run games with them and some people don't. And it's it's fine. Well, you, it doesn't you, ruin you, the you game brought, for anyone. It's interesting that you brought that up, um, the guns thing, because <clears throat> that brings an aspect of technology in. And I used to be one of the kind of people that's like, I hate, I hate science and I hate, or I hate science in my fantasy, hate science fiction in my fantasy. I used to hate that. Um, back in the 90s, because I started playing D&D back in late 80s, early 90s. I don't remember exactly when. Um, I'm old. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I started playing D&D back then. And one of the game settings back then was Spelljammer. I don't know if you've heard the news that uh, Wizards of the Coast is now releasing a Dragonlance and a Spelljammer supplement. Oh, neat. I didn't know that. Uh, go watch the trailers. Don't get so excited. <laughs> I, don't, I don't particularly. Uh, well, you know, I mean, Dark I, Sun was kind of a bop, uh, was kind of a. Oh, Dark Sun, such an amazing set. Uh, setting. Yeah, they, they, but they didn't do yeah. a good job. No, but, and well, and and the the downside with this is that I saw on Facebook um, a post by Jeff Grubb, which for those who don't know, Jeff Grubb is one of the old school developers for. TSR back when Dungeons and Dragons was owned by TSR, um, he was one of the his name is on the path or the uh, the D and D second edition AD and D second edition rulebook. I don't remember if he was in the first, but and he developed the Spelljammer setting. Um, he said, "I'm as surprised as everybody else. They didn't bother telling me." Oh wow! Margaret Weiss, who if you know her, she is yeah. one of the authors of the original authors of the Dragonlance setting, which was one of the settings that brought me into Dungeons & Dragons. Dragons of Autumn Twilight, the first book in the Dragonlance Chronicles, brought me into D&D. Um, and she responded to Jeff's comment saying, hey, I, uh, I wasn't informed of Dragonlance at all. Now, I haven't watched the videos. A lot of people didn't have great feedback on it, so it doesn't look like these settings at all. But, but you brought up kind of a sci-fi thing, or science sci-fi in fantasy, and... I was chatting with a, a buddy of mine that said, he said, man, I always wanted to play Spelljammer back in the day and nobody wanted to play it. And I was like, I would have been one of those players that wanted to play it because I had a friend who always wanted to play Spelljammer, which for those of you that don't know, Spelljammer is where basically it's D&D in space on their, their kind of uh, oceanic ships, but they fly through space. Yeah, and um, they have like a, they have like a, shield that goes around the ship <laughs> so there's an air pocket and they go to these crystal spheres that have the different game universes the whole idea was that tsr had a whole bunch of different worlds and campaigns and with Spelljammer, you could kind of fly between them right right and that was kind of cool that you could do forgotten realms and and greyhawk mm -hmm. and that was the original concept that you could go between kryn orith and um and um oh uh, yeah they run yeah 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that it, it's a great idea. Um, they did it again with uh, with Planescape in a little different way. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they it, it was it's a really neat idea. And now that you know, some years later, I wish I hadn't been so resistant to it. But I was really resistant to it too because oh, I don't you know this has a lot. It has a lot had a lot of fantasy technology in it, um, including if I'm correct, guns. So just wasn't my thing. Um, but I'll, I'll wait to see what they come out. I don't play any 5e right now. Um, I've got one group that I was kind of playing. I was kind of guest starring in. Um, and uh, otherwise, I haven't played any 5e for, well, very much at all. Maybe three or four games total. So I put, Yeah, I've done about similar. I enjoyed it. I, I like how you could just kind of jump in and understand it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really simplified. Um, I mean, personally, I... I I'm biased. I know I have a bias. I'm, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dog the system. And bless you. Didn't, meet, didn't reach the <laughs> mute button in time. I was trying. It was coming. Yeah. My mouse. My my hand wouldn't work. The mouse. Um, <laughs> so oh, sorry to interrupt with that sneeze. Oh, right, it happens. Can't control your body all the time. Yeah. I'll get to that shortly. Um. One. One more nerdy thing. Um. So last week I had shared that I started playing Minecraft. I got a hard time from david about this really because it's a simple little block game and Mm -hmm. you know and i think it's just because he has the same preconception that i had (laughs) i the only people i knew who played minecraft for kids i didn't really understand it and then my wife started playing it and i was like oh that's cool because i thought it was just like creative game and she likes sandboxy stuff and i was like okay cool that you're enjoying it she was playing with her friends and then i started noticing things of her like screaming like she's playing a horror game (laughs) and i'm like wow what the hell is this i i really i i like i had no concept about what minecraft was Mm -hmm. and then she introduced me to uh um hermitcraft which is a youtube series where they do these big group servers playing survival minecraft Mm -hmm. and i was like i want to buy a game and try it because i watched them (laughs) play it i'm like this is incredible and then when I first tried it, I'm like, this game is like the hardest game I've ever played. <laughs> because survival Minecraft. So when people, the people I've talked to, when most people think about Minecraft, they think of it as like you go in and you you can build things with blocks and basically play with Legos. Mm-hmm. But the part of the game that is really popular that I didn't know is it's you drop. So survival Minecraft, the way it works is you drop into this world, you have nothing. And then you have to run around the world getting resources and building stuff before nighttime when the monsters come out and eat you. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> and I, the first time I tried playing the game, I tried playing it on normal difficulty. And I just kept dying over and over and over again. I'm like, this game's hard. This game's really hard. Like 80s video game hard. And then I started watching videos of learning how to play. And I'm like, this game is really, really rewarding because you're thrown in and once you get your stuff you can like build farms you can go out and hunt monsters you can go underground and mine for resources you can um create buildings and art and yeah there's a creative form of the game where you're invincible and you can do anything and it was funny i tried that and i originally was like i want to try creative and try it out thinking i would go in and i have some tools and i would build some cool like castles and stuff and i went in and found out that the creative game you can load it in so it's the same world and Mm -hmm. i basically spent the entire game flying around like superman (laughs) destroying mountains 
and exploding buildings with dynamite. <laughs> it was so cathartic and nice. I'm like, yeah. this. There are so many ways to play this game. Like, you can go in and be like, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make the Buckingham Palace, and I'm gonna make exactly to scale and make this crazy I, thing. When you talked about it last time, I remembered a video. Um, and, and I meant to find it for you. So r remind me later to find it for you. But it was a, basically a video. Somebody went in and built a hard drive yeah. in Minecraft. A hard drive in Minecraft. The like, first person to what? build a computer in Minecraft was a sixth grader. Oh, my gosh. That um, was mind-blowing. Um, what? So you get, like I said, there's a million different ways to play the game. Of course. And generally, it breaks down into you have artists, you have builders, you have people who play like the survival kind of fun. You also have PvP. They, like there's people who go on a multiplayer servers and they do PvP. They they basically treat Minecraft like any other kind of PvP game. Um, but there's a million ways to do that too. <laughs> um, because it's a sandbox. I mean, you could really do anything. I mean, they they mod Minecraft into everything. Um, but there's also this aspect of the game called redstone. And a lot of people break up the game into two kinds of players. Redstone players and builder players. Redstone is basically basic electricity. You're given a number of tools and you can build circuits. And you can build repeaters. And you can build switches. And if you have... You can learn how to create circuits with redstone. But if you already know how to do that, you can learn how redstone works you can make they make most kind of machines now redstone's really simple so sometimes you have there's a giant curve of testing and implementation but the things people have done with redstone there's one particular group called scicraft that tries to push the limits of the game and they've they've built these giant skyscraper sized machines that do all sorts of crazy things like they did one where it looks like a server tower and you can flip a switch on it and when you flip the switch it turns off hostile spawning of creatures in the game and the way they did that was they figured out how they figured out one of the objects in the game is treated as a um, is treated as an entity, and they created this massive machine to spawn that object, and they spawn thousands of it in one spot in the world, and mm -hmm. that hits the spawn limit. So it basically it can change a game that's set at hard difficulty into easy hmm. just by this machine that they built. Wow. Um, there's also people who've made flying machines that can drop dynamite and create trenches. And there are people who've made, um, one of the big things people like to do is create these automated machines that gather resources and farm, or they spawn a certain kind of monster. So you can farm that monster. Mm -hmm. And since it's like the brown created, cows with the mushrooms, <laughs> yeah, like the brown cows with the mushroom, the, the brown cow with the mushrooms so there, there is a, after we did that episode, I learned there is a very, 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 very small chance that the mushroom cows will give birth to a brown cow, but it's like ridiculous. The way to get a brown cow is you have to get a, a red cow that was hit by lightning and it turns into a brown cow. The value of the brown cow. So the red cows, the way they work is you can milk them just like any other cow, or you can use a bowl instead of a bucket. And get mushroom stew. If you milk a brown cow into a bowl, 
you can get mystery stew or mysterious stew. I I I don't want to solve that mystery. I don't. Um, I don't. <laughs> if you combine the bowl with uh-huh. certain kinds of flowers, you can control what the mystery stew does. And people figured this out. One of the the great things about Mojang, the company that does this, and ultimately mm-hmm. Microsoft, because Microsoft owns Mojang now, um, they don't tell anybody about a lot of this stuff. You, you have mm-hmm. to figure it out. Like most of the Redstone stuff has been figured out by people. I mean, they just yeah. throw the tools I've, out there. I've heard it's a world full of Easter eggs. When um, so there is a thing in Minecraft called the Nether, and it's like another dimension you can go to with a portal. When it first came out, they didn't tell anybody. People found these broken portals and figured out how to fix them. And then they did another update later. But, I mean, there's a dragon that you can hunt down and kill in Minecraft. There's um, these things called Endermen that if you look at them, they go crazy and attack you. But if you don't look at them, they just kind of stick in the background and teleport around and steal blocks. And there are uh, zombie pig people... (laughs) <laughs> there are um, these things called creepers, and I think most people have heard of these. I've heard of the creepers, yeah. Creeper I've is this green, this tall green thing that um, it sneaks up on you and explodes. And one thing I found out about him that really got me is most mods. So one of the things you can do in Minecraft is you can turn on captions. So if you if you kind of keep your eye on the captions as you're playing, you'll see things like zombie groans, and you'll go, oh, okay, there's a zombie nearby. Creepers don't show up on that. Mm-hmm. So um, the only time they show up is it'll say creeper hisses, but creepers hiss right before they explode. So you'll see creeper hisses, and then you'll, like, freak out and see it <laughs> right next to you. Good. So your, your plan is to take this uh to to learn to play this game so that you and amelia can play while you're out there right that was the original plan but i'm just been having fun <laughs> with it now uh well if y'all do any streaming let me know i'd love to see you two playing i together. don't think we'll do that i mean uh, we'll, okay. we'll probably do an episode together i mean it's pretty far out i mean we're a couple months out now um mm-hmm. we've talked about it a little bit every time i talk to amelia about it she's like she's just like yeah uncle brian okay uncle brian i'm a teenager <laughs> and unenthused about everything which is the last time I saw her, like I said, the last time I saw them was at the uh, Ohio Renaissance Festival. And, you know, Amelia, I don't think she had seen me since for, for a few years since then. So I wouldn't expect her to even remember who I am at that point. You know, it's not like I'm a very common person in her life. But boy, oh boy, she was just bouncing off the walls. And I mean, she was excited to be at the Renaissance Festival. And I just happened to run into them. I wasn't there with them. But she sees she just bouncing off the walls. And we were outside of the game store there they have at the Renaissance Festival. So she was excited to see all the exciting dice and everything, too. So she's uh, she's to, I, I it's hard for me to imagine Amelia not excited. So. I you know she's going to be thrilled. I, I just, you know, I haven't seen her since she was like nine or ten. Mm-hmm. So it's like oh, well, she's 14 now. I haven't spent time with her since she was like nine because she was at the wedding, but I didn't really got to see her at the wedding. Weddings are a blur. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember mine. <laughs> I I barely remember mine. I remember what it's like. I remember um, standing outside with um, my brother-in-law now. And then I remember going to this hotel after the wedding. It was such a blur. <laughs> it was such a blur. I remember they really did is. this game with shoes at the reception where mm-hmm. we had to hold 
up a shoe if we had to sit back to back and then answer personal questions without <laughs> knowing what the other person's answer was and you hold up uh -huh. the shoe like um who um um put the shoe up if toilet paper roll goes up put the shoe down you know that kind of leave the shoe down if the toilet paper roll goes down stuff like that yeah i wouldn't know how to answer that because my wife doesn't put the toilet paper on the roll so <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Anything no, else nerdy with you? I haven't been super nerdy lately. Just just that. That's been my main thing. But I've been on call at work and stuff, so I've been kind of uh kind of distracted. Yeah. I... Um. Real quick to sorry to interrupt, but are you hearing? My Discord keeps alerting, and I'm not sure how to mute the whole thing. I'm not so. hearing it. Okay. Cool. I mean, am I am I Making sure? If it happened on my end, it would pop up because I have the condenser mic, but I it's probably not coming over here. I mean, listeners, if you hear a ding. Just send your hate mail to Mike. Send it to me. That's fine. Yeah. I I really know how to filter hate mail, so that's good. I'm good. <laughs> I um I um I I should share. I'm still playing the game with Canadians. It's fun. Yes. Um, yeah. The um yeah. we and we that is had, a Pathfinder Second Edition game, isn't it? That's a Pathfinder Second Edition game. Mm -hmm. Um, we had some intercharacter conflict in the last game, and it was mm -hmm. a um it was an interesting thing. Because I had to, st I said, okay, guys, we need to stop right now. Is this real or is this character? And everyone went, no, we're having fun. Let's keep going. So that yes. was cool. It's good that you can do those checks. That Those checks are important to gaming. And that's what I wish more gamers would recognize is I'll, I like to play my characters in character, but I'm going to stop every now and then. In fact, I just did this yesterday because I've got a goblin that's literally 10 years old, a goblin rogue that's 10 years old, who... Long story short, we had a figurine, uh, an Onyx dog figurine, and my goblin named him Barkazar. Um, and we found an ever-burning torch. So my goblin decided to go play Midnight Fetch with uh, Barkazar. We can only summon him once a week. My goblin, of course, summons him, to play, summons him to play Fetch in the middle of the night with an ever-burning torch. So, And I'm like, guys, if this is getting obnoxious, if I'm annoying anybody, please let me know. And they're like, no, no, we love Sid. He's great. You know, so good that you're stepping back and saying, hey, is this conflict or is this whatever? I want to make sure this is in character, not out of character. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting because it was one of those um, it was one of those um, the paladin goes, I want to go fight the giant massive enemies. And one of the people in the group goes, no, <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it was it it yeah it was it was one of those interesting things it it ended up getting kind of difficult we had to talk about it after the game because it was like i don't know how my character is going to be able to stay with the party anymore and yeah. the um the the other player and i had to kind of work it out and figure it out in between games and we instead of doing it in game we posted sort of what happened in the background on our game forums and so made it kind of play by post and then we're going to go back to it and then see what happened in the game rather than have everybody listen to us work it out mm -hmm. well you know what though it's it's role-playing stuff like that that really makes a game that that's what's memorable you can go in and you know slay liches and stuff whatever that's fun but really building those characters with each other man that's that's the it, good stuff right it, there it made me know that i i'm playing with really good players because like i was talking to um the other player about it and he was like yeah we need to work this out out of game mm -hmm. you and i are the ones that do all the talking 
and this is going to derail the entire game. Let's let's work it out outside a game, post something, and then just let other people kind of get the spotlight for a little while because we've been taking over for like the last two games. But yeah. it it's sort of like that little episode in the in the long the long form Netflix series of those two characters have a two episode arc and then it goes <laughs> back to somebody else. Yes. Yeah, that that's a good way of putting it. And hey, this is on topic. This is definitely a self-nerd improvement stuff right now. And speaking of topic, <laughs> I so we're going to take some turns asking some questions back and forth. This is one reason I love duo episodes, because when we have deep topics, it's so much easier to just go, I ask you a question. We talk about <laughs> it for a while. You ask me a question. We talk about it for a while. But my first question for you, and I have to switch my screen to my outline because I am reliant on them. Um, um, from your perspective, what is self-improvement? Self-improvement is starts with taking a taking regular assessments of yourself and honest assessments, working for objective assessments of yourself. Am I being a good person? Am I doing what's right? Am I doing what is best for myself and for others? Um, and then taking the actions to improve those situations. Um, Something I've been really working on over the last few years, last five years, six years, I guess longer than that, but uh, it's been a major focus. So that's why I signed up for this episode. Well, there's your answer, listeners. <laughs> this has been Nerd Podcast Media. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> that's a really great answer. I like the just the idea of checking in. It just, um, it's like, um, you have taking that time to just go, am I doing the right thing? Am I taking care of my body? Am I educating myself? It gets into that like multiple aspects. I think we'll talk more about that, like like the different aspects of what you can improve and stuff. But I like that check in. Now, my personal question to follow up is, how often do you check in and what do you do when you don't? <laughs> Oh, man, I wasn't ready for that question. Um, okay, so I do, I used to do a daily journal. Um, I would, and it's just something I wrote out. It's based on Tim Ferriss's five-minute journal. Um, okay. Tim Ferriss being, uh, he's kind of a self-improvement guy, blah, blah, blah. But he has some really good ideas on um, challenging oneself and, um, and, and improving oneself. Um, and... The five-minute journal basically asks um, questions like, um, it, well, it starts off with a quote, a motivational quote. And I write this stuff out. I don't purchase this five-minute journal. Sorry, Tim, if you ever hear this. Um, but I, I find it more uh, better to write it out myself. So I start with a quote, find a good quote, not just some flippant you know, peripheral quote, but something that I've got to think about. Um, um, so it might be um, something from the Buddha, something from the... Uh, ancient Greek, Stoic philosophers, um, something, something from a religious text, something like that, that I can really think about and say, how does this apply to me? What does it apply to me? Um, I then go into, I do a little health, some health statistics, like my blood pressure, blood sugar, all that stuff. I do those in the morning. And then um, I list three things that I'm grateful for because gratitude is a huge part of self-reflection. Um, I then say, three things that I want to focus on today um, because I do this first thing in the morning, three things that I want to focus on today. And then 
there's a self-affirmation thing that says, who am I? Am I, I am, I am an honest man. I am, um, I am an analytical man, things like that. I, something that I want to remind myself, Hey, you are, you have the ability to do this. You have the power to do. And then in the evening, there's an evening portion where I say three things that occurred today. Um, how did, what did I do right? What could I improve on? And then I have some other general notes that I might throw in there. <clears throat> so uh, it, it allows me to give an assessment of the morning and the evening. Um, you're you're going to hear me talk a lot about Stoic philosophy. Um, and I'm t- not talking about the modern day usage of Stoicism. I have to just stop you real quick. Go ahead. This isn't just for listeners. This is for me. I've I've watched videos on Stoicism. I've heard the word. I've heard seen it thrown around a lot. I don't understand it at all. <laughs> so either either I I would finish your thought on your your whole like routine and then kind of go into Stoicism a little bit in the most basic terms because I literally have watched things on it and really don't understand or understand I'm what break Stoicism it down for you. is. Okay, I'm good. We're going to talk about it because I think it's useful not for for everybody, but not just nerds, <laughs> but, it, but including oh, it, nerds. It, I it, should say it's a, it, and it's a nerd rabbit hole. It's it, 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 like, it if you want to know about stoicism, there are crap tons of podcasts, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's a very hot topic right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, yeah, but that's my morning and evening routine. Um, like I said, I, I add some health statistics in there, like how many steps I got during the day and all that stuff. My goal is 10,000 steps a day. Um, probably should bump that up and add some other exercises and stuff in there. But, um, so yeah, that's, that's my morning and evening assessments of that. But then throughout the day, there are times when I might get frustrated. I might get in an argument with somebody. I might be, I might be feeling dumb because I work in IT and I'm, and what I do is very analytical and customers love to throw brand new stuff at you. And sometimes you just feel like, I should know that, man. Why don't I know that? That, that seems like something basic that somebody... And then I talk to some of my teammates and they're like, wow, I'm surprised I didn't know that. And I'm like, we all have that. Okay. <laughs> so practice a little self-kindness and self-understanding. And that's part of it. Um, big thing that we want to do is kind of remove the ego, set the ego aside. It's there, but your ego is saying... You should know this. You're, you're, you should be smarter than this, and you want to set it aside. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that <laughs> in a little bit. Um, so now to break down Stoicism, okay? Um, and I'm going to read a brief quote from one of the Stoic teachers, right. the uh, Greek Stoic teachers. The man's name is Epictetus, um, and he wrote this in his Enchiridion. I will put these in the uh, in chat here so that you have them handy. Um, and the very first line in, Ep- in Epictetus's Enchiridion is, there are things which are within our power, and there are things which are beyond our power. Within our power are opinion, aim, desire, aversion, and in a word, whatever affairs are our own. Beyond our power are body, property, reputation, office, and in one word, whatever are not properly our own affairs. So breaking this down, let's put this into modern speak, what have you. Our first, and he goes on to talk about how that uh, our, our main priority in living a good life is identifying what is within our control and what is outside of our control. 
Okay. Uh, oh, modern sounds Stoics. Like, um, sounds like um, Seven Habits. Stephen Covey has some very good, you know, I, I know he was a very popular author back in the 90s, and I did read it back in the 90s. Um, that's actually one of the books on my list that I want to get again, uh, because he actually has some fantastic advice in there. Um, some brilliant advice. Yeah, the circle of influence is his. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, yeah, so, exactly. Okay, so back to Stoicism. What's in your control and what's out of your control? So what is in our control? He points out that basically breaking it down, what is in our control are the things that we do. What what happens to us is not in our control. We might be able to influence things, but the only way we can influence them is by making our decisions. Things that are outside of our control are our body. The very first thing he says is our body. And Brian, you've recently talked about your uh, your, your medications, your, your ADD. Um, oh, I, yeah. Buddy, I can relate. <laughs> um, I just went to the doctor yesterday and I did not get like the results that I got as much as, you know, they're still better than where I was a couple of years ago. But I was like, hey, you know, I don't like this. Well, I can't control those levels. I can't control my blood pressure. Level. Like I can do things to affect it, but I don't have direct influence over it. Okay. No, no, you can you can do any exercise or breathing thing or whatever, and it's not going to matter. You, medication is really the only thing that's going to help. No. But really, you should exercise. That yeah. does influence. You should do, you know, I do meditations every morning. So part of my morning routine is I get up, I take take care of the dogs, of course, because they won't l- let me have a moment's peace. Well, petting dogs and <laughs> cats lowers your blood pressure. That's true. Um, according to my dogs, feeding dogs lowers your blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I get up, I take my blood sugar, I take my blood pressure, or I'm sorry, I take my blood sugar, then I do a 10 minute meditation, then I take my blood pressure. Okay. So that 10 minute meditation really does help. Um, and I use the call map for anybody that's interested um, in a meditation, but there are free options out there. Um, so the, the, the purpose of stoicism, when it breaks down to it, it's the choices that you make, but they have to be the conscious choices. Um, when I was in college, there was a textbook that a line stuck out for me. And I can even tell you the name of the textbook, but the one line that stuck out for me was, we are the victims and the architects of our own lives. And that really kind of stuck with me. And it came, I eventually came to realize that the only difference between being the victim of your life, between um, your life affecting you and what you're doing, you're, you, the, being the architect, actively affecting your life is your awareness of your ability to make the choice, your choices. So at any given moment, you have the ability to make a choice. Something's happening. You have an ability to make a choice. That's where you're the architect. Everything else beyond your control. And that's the key to stoicism. It's letting go of the things you can't control. Exactly. Exactly. It's identifying what is within your control and then making, making whatever choices you have to affect it. Now, there are other components. We'll talk about that shortly, but you have a question. Now, I want to tell you what my brain's doing as you're telling me about this. Mm-hmm. I have read a lot of so-called self-improvement mm-hmm. and things that you described in stoicism are peppered all over the self-improvement. Like you, like I brought up Stephen Covey, but um, like, you know, the idea of having a choice between a choice, there's, um, I took a mindfulness class and it talked about um, between any action that between any event that happens there is a pause and in that pause you can choose how you're going to react that's a very stoic idea based on what you said it's interesting that you bring that up um you're talking about a quote that is um 
hold on, let me get the exact quote here. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our, our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Yes. Now, that quote is often attributed to Dr. Viktor Frankl. Okay. Dr. Viktor Frankl was a Jewish uh, prisoner in um, Auschwitz. Well, it, I know it was a prisoner, uh, a, a Nazi internment camp. I don't remember if it was Auschwitz specifically. Yeah, but details. It, yeah I mean, it, it, it doesn't yeah. really matter. They're pretty awful. Um, but he wrote a book, and I highly recommend it to people. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. Um, and he is, he is a fascinating author. And this, he's one that, although he himself was not a Stoic per se, or at least we don't have anything that ties him specifically to Stoicism, many of his concepts are rooted in that kind of thinking. They're also universal concept. They I, are. I mean, if you look across like the idea of um, Buddhism and talking about how the material world is an illusion and the only thing that exists is yourself, mm -hmm. that, that, that seems very, it has that embodiment of the idea of the things that matter are the things that you can control, not the things you can't. Right. Um, and Buddhism does share a lot with Stoicism. There's a lot of things. Christianity takes a lot from Stoicism. Um, we know that that um, Christianity has um, a uh, Paul actually um, the, the the Apostle Paul mentions the Stoics. Um, he says he does not like the Epicureans, but he does like the Stoics, and he's talking about two distinct um, philosophical schools. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So this yeah. is the Stoicism. What like when you're talking about. Um, you're talking about these people. It's old. It's yes. It's a. I mean, that would be that would be a two thousand year old philosophy. Well over or more than um, that. So it started. It was a um, a uh, um. They started. Um, boy, I might butcher this. <laughs> they started in many and the same way that many of the Greek schools started. They started listening to Socrates learning from Socrates and all of these, um, and, and I'm sorry, Plato. Um, and they were, they come from these, uh, schools that then branched off. So you had the Epicureans, you had the cynics, they are another, actually stoicism descended from cynicism. Um, and when we use these terms today, so I started to mention earlier and I kind of got off track, but stoic, uh, we use stoicism today to mean, you know, stone faced, unfeeling, you know, things like that. That is not, sto yeah, that is that, not classical thought it was stoic wrong. philosophy. Yeah, that's that's it, that's a modern colloquial usage, um, just like we use cynicism as meaning somebody that's pessimistic about things. That's always looking at the downside. Well, classical cynics, they were simply there were the skeptics. There were the cynics. These are full fledged philosophical um, uh, concepts. These are not how we colloquially colloquial I, easy for me to say how we use them today in modern vernacular just say colloquially um, colloquially <laughs> yes um but these are not how we use them today and classical stoicism isn't about not feeling but it is about recognizing your emotions and applying reason in emotional situations because tell me any situation that you've ever been in that is not my life is in imminent danger where panicking has helped you and even in a situation where my life is in imminent danger, you want to be able to say, okay, I need to get out of here. But then what? Reason is the, it, it should be, you're not going to get rid of emotions. We accept that emotions are there, but we want to be able to recognize them 
goes back to mindfulness, goes back to making those decisions that are in our control and outside of our control. Do you mind if I tangent off a little bit? Because you, you made me think of something, that whole, Get it. the have you, your mind is in imminent danger. <laughs> so um, there's, uh, there's another self-improvement title, um, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. Mm-hmm. Um, they made a movie out of this. Um, the the um, it's a Nick Nolte movie. It's really really good. Um, okay. The book is a very deep book. It's fiction. It's fiction in a you can learn lessons from it kind of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the general concept of the movie the movie is about a um, gymnast who is going towards the Olympics and he meets this mysterious gas station owner. And he eventually gets in a car accident that almost kills him, and he has to recover and decide if he's going to be a gymnast or let go of it. And the mysterious gas station owner mentors him and, like, teaches him how to be mindful. And it's a very surprising, very cool movie. But the reason I bring it up, there's a scene in that movie where the Nick Nolte character tells him, he says, you got to take out the trash. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, you got to take out the trash up here. You got to empty everything because everything in there is trash. You got to take it out. And he goes, well, how could I possibly do that? And they're standing on a bridge in a park with like water underneath. And he goes, how could I possibly do that? And Nick Nolte just shoves him off the bridge. And he falls off the bridge, lands in the water. And he goes, why did you do that? He says, when you were falling, were you worrying about anything? (laughs) And I had... I had a, um, I was going to a, um, a therapist years ago who talked about how yeah, I was having anxiety issues at the time. Um, and, um, he told me, have you ever fallen off your bike? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, did you feel anxious while you were falling? And I went, no, he said, <laughs> that's true mindfulness. <laughs> and I, I, I always thought that was an interesting concept and I don't have any scientific reference for why that's true. But yeah, when a, it, it can be true of any like big, like scary crisis, you're probably not going to be anxious during it. <laughs> no, but you also want to make sure that you respond. That's the difference between responding and reacting. Yeah, yeah. The, now, and, there are going to be times when you react. That's what mindfulness is all about. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between a response and a reaction with falling off a bike is falling off a bike, a response is tucking in. Mm-hmm. A reaction is sticking your hand out and breaking your wrist. Yeah. Um, and so um, part of it is, first of all, we cannot stop ourselves from immediately feeling an emotion. Okay, that's that's where the fallacy comes in that, you know, people think that stoics are without emotion. Um, You're going to feel the emotion. Okay, so that's going to happen. The important thing is recognizing it and then responding. Okay, so it's and that takes training. That takes a lot of work to do. And you can liken it to a soldier training for battle because you are training out there. You're training a particular response. You can train yourselves for particular responses. Um, and if you're training for battle, um, you want to, you, you don't want to use the, uh, the, the men in black thing. <laughs> if, you, if you remember this, the movie, with, uh, the original movie, uh, Men in Black, where Will Smith is in this, uh, in this shooting gallery with all these other soldiers, and the, uh, he, he starts shooting all of these monsters that are popping up, 
little girl pops up. All of these other soldiers stop. Don't shoot the little girl. Then they shoot the next, uh, the, the, the guy on the lamppost. So the monster looking thing hanging out on the lamppost. Will, on the other hand, his character, Agent J, or I, I, yeah, J, I think it is. <clears throat> he shoots the little girl. And he ignores all the monsters. Yeah. He said, well, yeah. I mean, he's like, well, this guy's just over here trying to take his trash out. This guy's over here, blah, blah, blah. This guy's just trying to do push-ups, but she's creepy. He's like, she's out here on the streets with, what's the little girl doing out here with all these books on the street, blah, 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 blah. He reasoned that out. Now, we can see in his past, the little bit of character building they showed us in the beginning, that he had kind of trained himself to look for unusual things. That's kind of a similar thing. But we saw that in all the other soldiers. They had trained themselves in such a way where they were shooting at the things that they saw as threats. And this one thing that did, they didn't see as threat popped up out of nowhere, and they did not shoot it. So that's what I'm talking about is we're going to feel that they, they felt the impulse to shoot, but they had trained themselves in such a way that they did not react. They it's responded. a really good example. It's That's a one really, I really, really good example. I, if we could take this deep, we could go into some of the studies they have shown where they've taken people and taken them into these shooting galleries to see if their reactions are based on prejudices. It's very similar. It, and, you know, I was watching one of them where it was sort of like watching the Men in Black thing, where all these people shot the very thuggy kind of you know, or, you know, just black character, you know, they would, they, they would pop up and it would, it would, they, they would very prejudice based on race. And then there was the one guy who was like, they're just a black guy. I don't know why I would shoot him. Yeah. He doesn't have a gun. Doing anything. And the one guy noticed it. And, but there were other people that just reacted to the racial one. It, mm-hmm. it, it's scary that there are those, there are those things programmed in, but the hope here is that they can be trained out and they can be trained out with conversation and awareness and education and practice. Right. Right. And that's, that's the entire concept of mindfulness. Stoicism is really a mindful concept, uh, uh, philosophy. Yeah. Now there are other aspects there. Um, the, the entire point of stoicism is that you should be the highest. The only good is virtue. Um, and stoicism gives four virtues, which are courage self-control, um, uh, um, justice, and wisdom. Um, I am, if you happen to have any Freemasons in your, in your audience, I'm a Freemason. That's kind of what caught my attention first because the Freemasons talk about the four uh, virtues of the cardinal virtues of wisdom, prudence, justice, um, and temperance, so, which translate to the same thing. That's really interesting. I... I honestly have never met a Freemason. Don't you have. You just didn't know it. <laughs> I, well, yeah, that's probably true. Um, my, um, um, I, w- I was talking with my wife about it, and she was a rainbow girl for a little while when she was a kid, and I guess that's related. Yes. The rainbow girls are a girls' organization um, that are housed under Freemason. Freemason basically sponsor the rainbow, rainbow girls. Um, so we we don't the, – the question was about self-improvement, and we dove mm-hmm. in – to your world of self-improvement but this can be very different for different people there are so many aspects of what self is Mm -hmm. self-improvement for some people can be this harmonious thing where you're focusing on body mind spirit 
um, relations to others, mindfulness. You don't have to branch out that much. You mm -hmm. can find like you can find the couple of things that you want to improve about yourself. Some people work on their education. Um, they go, I want to learn something new every week. They take it simple. I want to learn something new every week. I do a word of the day calendar. That's self-improvement. That counts. It exactly. totally counts. Um, they go, I'm going to try out a new kind of video game. I'm going to try some first person stuff because I've always played role playing games in the past. Um, you know, that's branching out in creativity and trying new things, broadening your horizons is definitely self-improvement. It sounds like an oversimplification, but it is. And you can view things like that that way. I'm trying out Minecraft right now, and I'm thinking of it that way. Um, and, I mean, it's been broadening my creative horizons for sure. Mm -hmm. I And that can, if applied mindfully to other things, is a great way to self-improve. Uh, but I think um, when, my from my perspective, when you when people... You mentioned self-improvement to people. They think of it, they, they, they will assume two things. They'll think you're trying to improve your mental health, which is also a big part of self-improvement. Mm -hmm. You know, they think of things like um, finding the goddess within and um, the um, working on anxiety or social anxiety or professional skills. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of self-improvements are either they're professional or they're personal, they're spiritual or they're um, psychological. Then there's the other one. It's exercise. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, um, Mike, you you shared your your routine and what self improvement means to you. I are you okay with me sharing mine? <laughs> Why on earth would I not be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I didn't know. I I have a I history on the podcast of chiming in before people are done, <laughs> and I I wanted to make sure it is. We're just two buddies talking here. Yeah. Um, so. Um, I tend to focus more on productivity. Um, I am a, a bit of a time nerd. I like this series called Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. Yes. But I tie that into other forms of self-improvement. So one of the ways I, I view productivity systems as a framework for other kinds of self-improvement. So the way the core structure of getting things done is mind like water. Um, the idea of the system is you're getting things off of your mind. Um, getting things done is a sandbox system. It gives you some tools that you can create your own system. So the idea is you don't keep things in your brain. You keep them somewhere. And that somewhere can be as complicated as a computer program that you keep your tasks in. It can be a stack of cards. It can be a file cabinet. It can be a to-do list. It can be a journal. Um, but then they give some ideas like um, some of the ways they do things is um, you keep lists based on context. So you might have a car list, things you have that are like errands like when you're in your car. Um, you might have an at-work computer list or an at-home list or an at-work at-home uh, at computer list. Uh, you can go... There are, I've talked to people who are into it. There's a huge following into this, and there's a lot of forums, a lot of people who are into it. Um, there are people who've gone real granular with their contexts, and they do, um, oh, cool. There's the book right there. I got three of them. Um, I went to, I went to David's seminar too. It was, it, oh, that would be awesome. Cool. And he'll I love even talk about how his following has gotten a little bit of cult like, um, because, here's the workbook. 
Oh, I haven't cool. haven't used this yet, but uh, I I I do love his work. Yes, he he did a follow up too, where he digs a little deeper into the system, mm-hmm. um, where he talks about the quadrants of um, the quadrants of you have too much control over your life, or versus you have freedom in your life, but you don't have any control over anything. Um, that. I, I like that, but you it it's it it's sort of a deeper version of where he goes. But um there are a lot of things people may have heard that come out of getting things done, like um the two minute rule comes from that where yeah. when you're going through your list of things, if you can finish it in two two, two minutes, do it now. Yes. Um when you dig a little deeper, he 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 says, My system's flexible. If one minute's better for you, do one minute rule. If thirty seconds is better for you, do the thirty second rule. Exactly. If you ha- are the kind of person who can has a little bit more freedom in their schedule. Use a five minute rule. Um, but the two minute it, rule saves me at work because I'll go, oh my god, I got this stuff on the floor that needs to be put away, but I have to work on this first. And I'll go, well, it'll take me less than two minutes to put that away. And then I'll do it. And then I'll be more focused when I work on the other project. Well, and a l- the, the nice thing about the two minute rule is you can sometimes break things down. Like you'll take a task and say, well, I can do this part of the task in two minutes. Exactly. Let me take care of that. So you'll, you'll appreciate this. Let me jump in there. But you and I both work in support, uh, a sport environment where we yeah. use ticketing systems. In fact, you, you said you set up your ticketing system. Yeah. Um, I go in every morning at work. I grab all of my tickets, throw in an, an, an Excel sheet, and I go through each, go down each one. Now, I, sometimes it's longer than others because sometimes I can vary anywhere from 12 to 40 tickets, but I'll just go down and say, okay, I need to do this, 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 and this, and this. And that's where I apply the two minute rule. Yeah. Okay. After I've done that, okay, this can be, what can be done in two minutes? Or I typically say five minutes. What can be done in five minutes? Okay. I've got these things. What of these things, these things all need to get done today, but what of these things, can I do any one thing now in five minutes that'll kickstart that so that I can circle back to it? So you can break that. This can so be applied to gaming in so many ways. <laughs> Can't I, it? It's I've so good. I already find it. Found myself doing it in Minecraft, where because in Minecraft it's a sandbox world where you're like doing little projects in the game. You're like being virtually productive. So I'll go. All right, what are my tasks on this day? I'm supposed to farm. I have to go mine. Which one do I first? It's mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it it can get a little a little crazy. Um, the in in RPGs, it is a nice thing for GM. It that I just really put in is. text. I put in in chat. There's a book. I don't know if you've read it. It's by Engine Publishing. It's called Never Unprepared by Phil Vecchio. Okay, I don't know if I spelled his last name right, but you'll find it. Um. I read this book. I got it in physical format, but you can get it in EPUB format or electronic formats easy. Um, And they've got uh, engine publishing has a whole, it's the gnome stew people. If you remember, if you're familiar with them. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We talked about them a little bit. Yes. Yes. Um, John Arcadian actually has, who who is the former head gnome over at gnome stew. He's not there anymore. They, uh, um, he just left there. Um, But uh, he actually gave a really great Ted talk. So, Look up John Arcadian um, talking about social interaction within RPGs. But Never Unprepared is written by Phil Vecchium. Phil is an IT um, project manager, okay? And 
this kind of got me thinking, maybe I want to go into project management. The way he breaks down how you can write um, and prepare as a GM for a game is just pure beauty. Absolutely beautiful. He talks about carrying around um, index cards with you or a notebook so that you get these ideas, you jot them down and stuff. I actually have. Oh, that sounds very from similar to yes. getting things done. It it really mm-hmm. does. So yeah, I'll have to check that out. Never unprepared by Phil I'll, Vecchio. I'll look it up. It's Engine Publishing. It yeah. yeah. Um. I I I have been really good about taking notes this episode. So I will, listeners. I will include some of the resources. Um. We're gonna be out of time in a few in like five ten minutes <laughs> so i wanted to do some rapid shot fire on some resources for self-improvement and these are going to go all over the place i believe um so um what is some of well let's let's start let's just go back and forth on some go-tos and then quick summaries of what they are because i mean we can't go into everything in self-improvement in this episode we're not we're yeah. not going to cover everything it it's a crazy crazy deep thing and this isn't specifically the self-help genre. Mm-hmm. This is the idea of, like Michael very eloquently, better than I could ever put at the <laughs> beginning of the episode, that this is periodically checking in. Um, oh, I and I'll I'll go into my whole routine. Actually, yeah, that no, I. Let me let me go over my routine Let's first, your routine. and then we'll do I, some. I, I, I don't, yeah, you didn't get so, your routine. Let's hear it. I now I had a reaction response kind of thing happen in my head when you were talking because you were like, "I do this daily, I do this daily gratitude," and I'm like, my brain went, "I don't do that. I don't do daily. Oh wow, gratitude. I know gratitude's good. I should do gratitude journal." And that that's really where I went. And I went, but what do I do? And that's when I went, I'll go into it after. I need to focus on Michael because he's doing this amazing TED Talk right now, and I have to hear it. <laughs> uh, I learned more in that segment. Ah, uh, uh, chef's kiss, man. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you liked it, but I want to hear yours. I want to hear about so, you. But um, teach me something. So I do a weekly review. I do okay. on Fridays. Um, I review. Um, I go through my project list. And my project list is um, multi-parts of life. So there are things like um, I have developed a plan for dealing with social anxiety. I have developed a um, – I am continuing to um, deepen and strengthen my relationship with my wife. I uh, – and if you, you see the theme, they are worded as outcomes – they are worded as things that have already happened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, a really good example is the gravel is gone from the backyard and replaced with a concrete slab. Um, the reason why they are worded as outcomes is I view project as outcome focused. I say, this is what it's going to look like when it's done. What has to happen next to get closer to that outcome? So I think in um, outcomes and next actions. So I go, what's the next physical action I have to do? And the next physical action usually requires some thought. And I think that procrastination usually comes from two things. It comes from not having a vision of what you want, and it comes from not knowing what the next physical thing is. And often it's like, um, it, I, I think for me, it's come down to things like um, I have to 
um, get the tires fixed on my car. I'm going to simplify this. I have to get the tires fixed on my car. Um, what's the first thing to do? I have to call the repair person. Okay. And then I never do that because I, the next action isn't, I need to call the repair person. The next action is I have to go on Google and look for repair people. <laughs> and then you can go granular and say the next action isn't, I have to go on Google and look up repair people. The next action is I have to open Google on my phone. And then you can go even more granular and say the next action is I have to find my phone. Yeah. So, and then for some people, the next action might even be, I have to find a quiet place to work. Um, so I think in those concepts, so I, this took a lot of work to set up this system. And sometimes I, if I find things that are going a little off the rails, I'll put a weekend or a day aside to go through and kind of fine tune everything and make sure that the project lists are there and the outcome lists are there. And then I also have things organized by altitudes. So there are projects, my projects are short-term projects that are like things that I want to see accomplished soon. Then I have goals that are like yearly things. And then I have visions, which are like lifetime things. Um, so that was, you know, how I accomplished things like getting my degree and stuff like that, where I had this like long-term thing. And the benefits I've seen from doing this are tend to be a little bit more patient about accomplishing the stuff I want to accomplish. I don't stress as much because I know I'm working on it. Uh, David Allen with getting things done. One of the things says is my system isn't designed to get things done. My system is designed to get the stuff off your mind. Mm -hmm. So um, it there, I similar to your concept of stoicism, I will take, it will take me hours to really go into everything when it comes into the system i can just recommend it but uh my reviews are weekly but also i do emergency reviews and um like reviews based on like i might do a project review on one specific project if it's needed and i can do that without a routine because the system allows me to do that you know, I don't take one project and go, I'm reviewing this project daily unless that project requires a daily review. Mm -hmm. And that's that, that happens through brainstorming and through reviewing everything. But yeah, my, my weekly review is generally, and I think that's the hardest thing about getting things done. And there are whole like Facebook groups and online forums that are designed for accountability mm -hmm. for people checking in on their weekly review. Yep. Um, but um, my weekly review is... I go through my project list. I have I use a program a computer program called Remember the Milk. Yeah. And I've I heard have it. I have my project separated into I have I have one project list mm -hmm. and then I tag my projects um personal and work. Nice. And I have two smart lists in that program that I can look at my work projects and look at my personal projects. But I can also review everything in one shot if I want to. And that's what I do usually weekly is I go through the whole thing and then I'll go into each one and go, okay. Because during the week, if I'm at work, I look at the work one. And if I'm at home, I look at the home one. And then I have next action lists, which are things tied to each project that are the next actions I'm working on during that week. Right. Um, so on Friday, when I do my weekly review, and it doesn't happen, have to happen on Friday. It can happen any day that works for you. That's one of the great things about the system. It's flexible. Mm -hmm. yeah. On Friday, I go through my project list and I go, does this have an X action set? Does this have an X action set for each one? Mm 
And then I just define those next actions. The hardest thing for me is not going down a rabbit hole on the projects. And that's mm -hmm. required some practice and going through. But since now it seems like this is just a productivity thing, getting things done. But for me, it is a multi-spectrum self-improvement tool because my projects aren't necessarily just physical things I'm doing at work and at home. They are things like exercise, relationships. Mm -hmm. um, I think... Um, exercise relationships, spiritual practices, um, and then sometimes they break down into things like roles and responsibilities, like podcast producer, podcast editor, um, uh, employee of my work. Um, I work at a nonprofit, so sometimes there are above and beyond things I do that aren't necessarily just work-related. Mm -hmm. um, the um, organization a member of Gamer, um, Often in projects, like I'll, I'll be going through my project list and one of my projects will be like transfer a character from here, a lab to roll 20. Hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I, I know we're, uh, I, I first, I, I want to respond to a couple of things here. Um, number one, you begin with the end in mind. We're going back to Stephen Covey here because that's the yeah. chat, one of his chapters. That, in fact, I think that's the very first chapter of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Begin with the end of mind, and that's solid advice. Yeah. Um, Se Be Seneca, proactive is something from Covey that always sticks with me, too. Exactly. Uh, Seneca is one of the Stoic writers. From He was actually a, uh, a senator in Rome. Um, and he said, to, if you don't know what, to what port you're sailing, no wind is favorable. So there's so many of us out here, and I do this in many ways. Um, too. I'll, I'll readily admit, I am by no means a perfect Stoic pra practitioner. Please oh, don't. and I am definitely not <laughs> a perfect practitioner of getting yeah. things done. Um, there, but, are, there are weeks I feel like that, though. <laughs> yeah, so there. Uh, think about it. If we don't know what we want, what we're working towards, we're kind of just drifting out there and letting things be and hoping that we end up in a good place, you know, but really no wind is favorable. You know, we're, we're kind of just floating out there and letting the wind take us wherever. Um, and you're beginning with, so when you're talking about this is what you want, this is the result you want, you're beginning with that end in mind, but you're also taking it back. And this is where you're, the big kudos, you're recognizing that the result, this is a stoic thing. The result is outside of your power. Okay. That's beyond what you can control. What you can control is the action you're taking. Yeah. The, the next choice you're making, and that's where you're breaking it down. Kudos to you on that. Um, there's a parable that they teach uh, in Stoicism called the Stoic Archer, in that if you're an archer, you can check all your equipment. You can practice nonstop. You can, you can perfect your technique. You can check the winds. You can do everything you can. But as soon as that arrow leaves your bow, that's out of your control. You have no control whether it hits the target or not. Something could come in that you don't know about, you know, you could, something could jump in front of your arrow that you're not able to see, you know, something could knock the target over. The result is outside of your control. But the important thing is you did everything that you could that was in your power to prepare for it. And that's what you're doing with these, these little, these little, um, um, all these next actions. And you're going back and you're reviewing it. And that serves two purposes. If I recall my David Allen, um, that serves two purposes. Number one, it says, Hey, I have done, gotten something done. It reminds you, I was just, I've been redoing my Goodreads account and been feeling kind of down because I haven't really been reading. I'm a very slow reader. I'll be honest. And I haven't really, I've got all these great things that I want to read. Um, 
in in both philosophy and uh in and fantasy books and game stuff and I haven't been doing it. And then I look back and I go, well, I have read that. And I have read that. And I, I actually have gotten quite a bit of reading done. You know, I've still got a lot to go on there, but it, it allows you to reassess the situation, say, I have gotten this done. I am capable of doing things. And it allows you to say, okay, this is where I'm lacking. This is where I need, still need work. This, these are the next actions I need to take. So I like your system. That's, that is amazing. And I, I, Big kudos to you for it. And I appreciate your system, too. I've done gratitude journals, and they're so rewarding. I don't know why I, I wax and wane through doing that kind of thing. And it might be an ADHD thing, or it might just be a, you know, sometimes you just go in and out of practices. Mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge you this, okay? I'm, I want to challenge you on this. Okay. Here's your challenge. Here's your homework, buddy. I want you to... Just a piece of paper. I do mine on a rocket book, if you know what that is. It's a yeah, reusable yeah, notebook. I, I love I my rocket just book. learned what a rocket book is. I love my year. rocket book so much. And I learned it through a ticket. I learned <laughs> I've got what a, a, rocket a little book pocket was. rocket book here. I learned uh, what a rocket book was through a ticket. Oh, I yeah. I got a neat. ticket that was, can you install my rocket book on my computer for me? And I said, <laughs> okay. And I, I immediately Googled what a rocket book was. <laughs> Yes. So that's where I do my journal. I just write it in there every day and write it down. And, and then I use the Rocketbook app to scan it. And that automatically adds it to my OneNote. And I've got a journal notebook in my OneNote. Cool. Um, yeah, that's my journal. I don't have a, you know, a standard old school journal and there's nothing wrong with that, but this is what works for me. Um, but I would like for you to every day, get a piece of notebook paper, write it on the computer just once a day, three things. Three things you're grateful for. And if you find yourself going, well, this is mundane. This is, you know, why am I grateful for running water? I mean, that's just, you know, something we, but really, if you think, when you start thinking about that, how many people in the world don't have good running water? You know, we know Flint, Michigan, they would be really grateful for good one, good, clean running water. You know, Um, running water is a thing, you know, even if you break down the simple things and you think about those later on, man, and then you start thinking of other things. I shouldn't take this for granted, and, you know? What, what was it? Um, I, I thought of one the other day was like a few weeks ago, I had to fly to New York for a personal, me- a personal mm-hmm. emergency, and I went, I'm grateful for one, the financial ability to better get a plane ticket last minute. I'm grateful that planes exist, that I can do this. I'm grateful that I, my work is flexible enough to let me do this. I mean that that was a that was a gratitude inspiring moment because it was yes, like sir. Louis C.K. and regardless of all the controversy with Louis mm-hmm. C.K., he did a and I'm not going to say that I'm not condoning anything he did, but no. I, he just did a comedy routine once that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. He talked about how people should be on airplanes should be saying the entire time, holy crap, we're flying through the air. This is amazing. This is the most incredible thing ever. But instead, they're like, God damn it, we're delayed for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. He said that shift in perspective is a big deal. And that stuck with me. You ever want to understand the majesty, They're just the amazing feat of, of uh, what we do when we're flying through a plane? Fly over the Grand Canyon. It is the most amazing sight you'll ever see. Oh, I, I, I've been there. I've gone Incredible. to it. I mean, it's yeah, pretty well, amazing in person. Yeah, it's a, going down at level, like ground level and sub-ground level is amazing. Flying over it when you can see it spreading out. Oh, my gosh. It's just mind-blowing. And so you're right. 
These are things that we should on a, on a daily basis. So I'm challenging you, sir, Brian, to for at least the next week, every day, three things, three things, one each day. And it doesn't, it's up to you how, how in depth, how, how little I typically write it down in one, a, a, a sentence or two, each thing in a sentence or two. And I, you don't even have to do the whole five minute journal. Just if you do that part every day, and then next time in your weekly assessment, go back and reread what you wrote. Okay. I will take you up on that. And I, I, I'm thinking, I was thinking about the details when you told me I'm going to use Google keep because that's usually what I use for little journal things. And I'll do Perfect. a little gratitude tag and three things a day. I can do that. That sounds great. Thanks for the recommendation, Mike. Absolutely. I will totally, I will commit to that. That is my challenge. And, um, my, my personal challenge for you mm -hmm. is to locate an animal with blue plumage. <laughs> I can do that in, and in person. If you get bonus points, if it's not a bird. Oh, now you, now you're making things difficult. <laughs> I'm in Ohio. What, 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 what <laughs> blue plumage here? That's not a bird. <laughs> but I'll, do, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Now, do I have to see this in person or? Um, it's up to you. <laughs> I, I mean, you I talked about stoicism, so I thought a creative right. challenge would be good That's for a good you. creative challenge. I will. I will um, write so that speaking down right of here. creative challenges, I wanted to talk a little bit about self-improvement books that I really enjoyed over these. Um, there is a great book that I was introduced to called Coaching the Artist Within by Eric Maisel. And it mm -hmm. is one of the coolest um, coaching books. It, it, it's basically, it takes the form of a life coach in book form, and it is about creative coaching. And that is a self-improvement thing that we didn't talk into. And the spectrum of self-improvement is some people want to improve their creative side. And there is a whole industry of creative life coaches that help support artists and creators and content creators and now podcasters and coaching the artist within is a fantastic resource for boosting your creative side and if you're a content creator artist or whatever it's great mm -hmm. um it has meditations and advice and ways for dealing with inner negative self-talk it's great for people who aren't artists because of those things. So my that, that is my rapid fire recommendation. Do you have a rapid fire recommendation, Mike? Oh, yes. Um, so I, 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 the problem is narrowing it down to one. I think um, we only have time for one. That's the I, okay. I apologize, but if you well, if the, you can if you can jam two in, feel free. Well, I, I, I would recommend if you like reading ancient works, translated ancient works. Um, like I mentioned, Epictetus, I've mentioned um, uh, Seneca, and Marcus Aurelius was a Roman emperor who practiced Stoicism. And his book, the book, it's called Meditations now, that was actually his journals. Marcus Aurelius, you might remember, was the Roman emperor at the beginning of Gladiator, whose son succeeded him. Well, he was an actual figure, an actual uh, um, historical figure. And his writing, Meditations, is one of the best. And it, it is so good that I would venture to say that I would recommend that book to anybody. And remember, it's his journal to himself. He was not trying to give anybody else advice. This was what he was writing as he was ruling the Roman Empire. That is a fantastic um, recommendation. And um, I, would rec I, I would go so far as to say I think it should be taught in schools. Um, I really I'm sure do. it is somewhere. 
I, well, I think it should be taught regularly in public schools. Yeah. I think that it would benefit our society to read, break down, and understand these practices taught within. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. If you want something more modern on Stoicism, check out William Irvine's um, A Guide to the Good Life. I don't agree with everything he says. He actually is a local figure. He teaches over at Wright State University, and he's a very wonderful guy. And I, I like an author that I can respectfully disagree with on certain points, but I, and I feel like I learned so much more because I have to challenge myself in that. That is fantastic. Well, we are done for time. But, you know, we're going to do a bonus episode for patrons where we're going to talk a little bit more about this. And I know one of the things we wanted to talk about was gamification of of productivity and self-improvement. And um, that is a subject for the bonus episode. So if you want to go to Nerd... uh, I did it. I did it. I did it. David's not here and I did it. (laughs) If you want to go to patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio, you can check that out. Um, But thank you. Mike, for being on this episode. This was a million times better than I ever thought it could be. This was a cool topic. I like it when the name of the episode just becomes a cool topic. I, I, it, It's been a neat thing to try this year, and I think I'm going to continue doing it. Um, Absolutely. And I, I really appreciate you having me on here and and sharing your thoughts with me. Oh, it's and, always uh, a pleasure, and I'm I'm hoping we get some Dresden file news soon, and we'll have you <laughs> on once that happens. Uh, Jim Butcher's son's book is on pre-order right now. James J. Butcher, his first novel, will be out in October. So look up James J. Butcher. I believe it's called uh, Dead Man's Hand. Mm. I'll, I'll I'll find a link for you so you can throw it if you want to throw it in some show notes or something. I uh, yeah. I I okay. Yes. I, will, I am interested. In I am. I am very intrigued. God, he looks so much like him. <laughs> he does. He looks just like him, doesn't he? <laughs> just like him, except short hair. <laughs> the The website's killing our bandwidth, so I'm just going to write it down. Gotcha. Um, all right. So thank you so much. And this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Um, I hope that we have provided some cool resources for a very different kind of episode. Uh, I just want to say I've been Super Vegan Brian, and I was joined I by Michael, Michael. Carpenter. (laughs) (laughs) Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.